And so David on Monday uh, talked with the founder and the CEO of GotQuestion.org, and they have it for Got Questions Children's, Got Questions Teens. They have like the top 20 questions, all these things. I didn't even know they did. I just look them up every once in a while, and there's a lot there. So that was a real interesting interview. And then Friday's interview was with the founder of Every Black Lives Matter, so every BLM, and just uh, a black man and his wife who determined they're going to live according to the word of God and what the word of God says. And he's very careful. He, he talks about factions in our country. He won't say Republican or Democrat. And he later on explained that every time I bring up a label, I get accused. So I just tell people there's factions in our country. Look it up. Figure it out for yourself in the sense if you take the time to look, you'll figure out where the truth lies. It was a good, good interview. That was on Friday's broadcast. So he had uh, every Black Lives Matter founder and then the founder and CEO of GotQuestions.org. This week, you can look them up and find it out. David Fiorazzo. So his book's back there in the book room. I would encourage you to get it. Also, we have brand new Calvary magazine that is in the lobby, and there might be some on the back table here in the sanctuary. And I was reading through it. I'm in like article number three, and they had a mention. I thought I had the page marked here. Yeah, of George and Pam Markey. Now, you guys may not be familiar with their names, George and Pam Markey, but as soon as the Iron Curtain came down in the Ukraine, they went over for a one-year missionary trip. He left his church in Indiana, pastoring a church in Indiana, felt called by God to go to the Ukraine, he and his six or seven children, and uh, never left. In fact, George would come down with an illness, take a life flight back to the United States, but end up dying. His wife, Pam, continuing on their ministry, and they have an article about one of the sons and all the kids uh, doing missionary work to this day. So it's pretty good. The title of the article is uh, The Passage, the very magazine, Raising Up the Next Generation. So I think a timely issue. Those are free for those who are here. Uh, one more announcement. Uh, not really announcement, just uh, a little note that we got for someone re supporting our ministry, someone who listens to WLGS. And so the note, just on a three-by-five card, Dear Pastor John and Lily, please use this donation to help your ministry. May the Lord Jesus Christ bless you and keep you close to him, keep you close to him. So it's kind of nice to hear from our radio listeners, and we are preparing to expand from just a terrestrial, the land broadcast to a digital broadcast. We'll be able to stream online. We've already uh, paid for some of this, and so now it's a matter of learning and doing, and uh, we'll be able to expand our radio ministry beyond our 100-watt territory here that we've been broadcasting. So keep that in your prayers, that God would just expand the work that he has given us to do. Well, today we're looking at Revelation chapter 6, and as I was going through Revelation chapter 6, and I've 
I finished the message on Thursday, read it through again on Friday morning, Saturday morning, Sunday morning. And there's some thoughts that I had as I was going through the message. Because we're looking at the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is taking a number of different ways within the church. And I just want to say right from the beginning that I take a literal interpretation of the Bible. I'm not making an allegory out of this. I do not receive the preterist view that says all the things that we read about in the book of Revelation took place back when Jerusalem fell in A.D. 70. I believe that these are future events that are going to take place. And because they are future events that are going to take place and we are given a glimpse of them here, sometimes it's hard to have a clear picture of that glimpse. John explains the things that he saw in this testimony here in chapter 6. He explains the things that have been shown to him concerning the opening of the seven seals, six of the seven seals being related to us here in chapter 6. The seventh seal will be related to us in chapter 7. So I titled this message, Six of Seven. So we're looking at six events that, according to the Word of God, will take place in the future. And I believe that that future is getting very near. And at times, as we look at these, we may have a difficulty seeing, as Paul once wrote, we look in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Right now, we look in a mirror dimly. Scripture, it's not that we have blinders. We actually have the authority of the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. And we'll use some of the passages to help us gain a better understanding of this chapter. As we begin to learn about the final seven years that are determined here for the nation of Israel, for the city of Jerusalem, and for the world, we also find that Daniel prophesied about these events. I want to read a portion of Daniel's prophecy. It really uh, correlates with the revelation of Jesus Christ that was given to John. We see a lot of connections with the prophecies given to Daniel in the Old Testament to some of the prophecies given to John in the New Testament here in the book of Revelation. But from Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, Daniel is given a prophecy of the final week, or actually 70 weeks determined for the nation of Israel. So the prophecy goes like this. Daniel 9, 24 through 27. 70 weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city. So the people of Israel, the city of Jerusalem. The purpose of these 70 weeks, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublesome times. And after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the Prince, who is to come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end of it will be with the flood, until the end of the war of desolations are determined. Then he shall confirm a covenant. And this is where we're 
coming into Revelation chapter 6. Then he, the Antichrist, so I'm putting Antichrist in here, but Daniel 9.27, he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of that week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall one be who makes desolate even until the consummation which is determined and poured out on the desolate. So the 70 weeks, 70 weeks, it's years that are multiplied by sevens. So we have seven sevens and 62 sevens, uh, giving us 69 weeks or 483 years. He said from the time that the temple is allowed to rebuild there in Jerusalem, from that command, that proclamation that came from Artaxerxes to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, from the time of that command, there shall be 483 years until Messiah. It's one of the reasons that at the first coming of Jesus Christ, the people had this heightened expectation of the Lord's coming because they knew the word of God, they knew the prophecy of Daniel, and they were able to do the calculations and know that it was time for the Messiah's coming. And that is why so many during his first coming, even though the majority of Israel rejected the Messiah, there were those like our beloved disciples and many others, and the women that are named in the Gospels as well, and those in the book of Acts, that they received the testimony concerning the coming Messiah, his first coming. But then it says that the Messiah shall be cut off. There's one more week determined for the nation of Israel, for the city of Jerusalem, and thus for the world as well. That last week is what we know, according to Bible prophecy, as the seven years of tribulation. We're getting into those, um, the accounting of those seven years with the seven seals, and we'll have the seven trumpet blasts as we get past the seven seals. And so we're having this unfolding of what those events will be like for the world and how the Lord has a plan for a period of one week. The Antichrist will come. He will make a covenant with the nation of Israel, a covenant of peace. And many believing that this covenant will give the ability for Israel to build their temple. Right now we have a prime minister in Israel, we don't have the prime minister, but Israel has a new prime minister. One of his top positions is seeing the rebuilding of the temple. That's his platform. He's very conservative, but in order to become prime minister, he gathered a group of not so conservative with Arabs to form his cabinet. And so it's hard to see what exactly will come. Others have said, from the Muslim side of things, there are those now saying since the Abraham Accords that were founded through the work of President Trump and his son-in-law and many others, of course, but the Abraham Accords, there are the Muslim nations saying we don't have a problem with Israel rebuilding their temple. This has been a conversation that has not been held before, the talking of rebuilding the temple. Israel is ready to rebuild a third temple but they have not yet received permission to do that. So it's believed that that covenant that the Antichrist makes with Israel, giving them the permission to rebuild, 
But remember, Daniel said in the middle of the week, or three and a half years into it, all sacrifices will be cut off. And so it tells us that they'll be offering sacrifices again. They'll need to be an altar, a temple for them to do this. But that will be cut off during that period, the coming of the Antichrist. So we get a glimpse of these days that not only impacts Israel, but impacts the whole world when he sees the opening of the scrolls here in Revelation chapter 6, where we look at Daniel's last of the 70 weeks, that last week or seven years given to us in Scripture. Because John breaks this down into six points, we have six points in our message today. We'll go through each of those as we go through each of the passages of Scripture that relate to those points I titled this message, as I said, Six of Seven, and looking at the breaking of the seals. Remember in Revelation chapter 5, there was the one who sat on the throne who had the seven seal scrolled, scroll, and the question was asked by a strong angel, John said. A strong angel asked this question, meaning strength. It didn't take strength to open the seals of the scroll. But who is able, who is worthy was the proclamation of the angel who is worthy to open the seals open the scroll and the proclamation the song that was sung to them in revelation 5 9 sung to the lamb who is worthy that song saying revelation 5 9 you are worthy to take the scroll to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to god by your blood so giving us the identification of the Lamb who is worthy is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was slain upon the cross. Jesus Christ has redeemed us by his blood. That out of every tribe, tongue, and people, and nation, that you have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. So it's the Lamb who is worthy. Revelation 5:12. Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory and blessing and so as he broke the seals of the scroll john tells us the opening of the first seal we find a white horse in verses one and two it says now i saw when the lamb opened one of the seals and i heard one of the four living creatures saying with a loud voice like thunder come and see and i looked and behold a white horse and he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. Having received the seven sealed scroll from his father, the Lamb now begins to open these seals. Jesus begins to open the seals. And at the opening of the first seal, the living creature whose face was as a lion. And so we're going to discover this, that in Revelation 4-7, we're introduced to the four living creatures who were before the throne and we'll find out in the second third and fourth seal openings that john will refer to the second creature the third creature the fourth creature and so this has to be the first creature although in this passage he says one of the four living creatures the only one left is the creature who had a face like a lion as it says in revelation 4 7 so the four living creatures the first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature like a calf. The third living creature who had the face like a man. The fourth living creature 
was like a flying eagle. And so he said, come and see. Now, different Bible translations, the Greek translations, like the uh, Texas Receptus, from which we get the King James Bible from, they actually have it written as come and see. Other translations simply say the word come. They drop the and see part, which I find interesting because it gives us this picture of one. If it's come and see, it's the angel announcing to John to come and see. Come and see what's taking place here. But I have this thought with the proclamation to simply come, that there is a calling forth of the the creature that on the white horse, he who is on the white horse. So calling forth, I kind of get this sense with it, that there's this calling forth of the white horse and his rider. He who had a bow and was given a crown to go forth conquering and to conquer. And so we find that the white horse rider appears before the throne. And John saw that he had a bow in his hand, that he was given a crown. And receiving the crown, he went out conquering and to conquer. Now there are some who have taught that this white horse rider is Jesus Christ. It really doesn't fit the picture that's given to us by John because Jesus is the lamb who is slain. Jesus is there, the one opening the scroll. The white horse rider is one who comes before Jesus and his father at that time. Later on in Revelation chapter 19, we will read of Jesus coming to rule and reign upon this earth, riding upon a white horse. So the white horse is connected with Jesus Christ later on in Revelation 19. But I think this is a, this is a counterfeit. I believe it is the Antichrist. He is a counterfeit. There are those who desire to counterfeit Jesus Christ. Even to this day, there are those who claim to be the Messiah in our world today. And so there are counterfeits who come. I believe that this is a counterfeit who comes. He's either Satan, a fallen angel, or a created being that had been purposely created for this one event that God had prepared for him. In chapter 5, the church is seen singing before the throne of God. This seems to indicate that the rapture of the church has already taken place. And with the rapture of the church, then there's going to be a change of the work of the Holy Spirit upon the earth at that time. At this time, the Holy Spirit is working in the lives of the believers. The Holy Spirit draws us to Jesus Christ. When we become saved, He enters into our hearts. And then at some point, He comes upon us. He fills us with the power of His Holy Spirit. With the church being absent in this world, the restrainer then being removed from this earth, the earth itself goes into a time of chaos, that follows with the Antichrist coming. And it, it's very easy for us to visualize this today, I believe. If 2020 hasn't taught us anything other than how crazy this world can get and how people will give up freedoms and just like, oh, okay, if you say so. And they kind of check their brains sometimes at the door and, and just receive the marching orders. And we're seeing that to this day. That the chaos that follows this event will open up the way for the Antichrist to come, to rule upon this earth, 
And it could be that the crown is, that is received here is the authority given to the Antichrist to begin his reign, his false messiahship. John coined the phrase Antichrist for us in 1 John 2.18. He said, little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. Satan's working in the lives of wicked people in our world today. Even now many Antichrists have come. But the Antichrist, John said, the Antichrist is coming. So the opening of the first seal. Here in the opening of the second seal, we have a fiery red horse, verses 3 and 4. It says, when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, come and see. And another horse, fiery red, went out. And it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. Upon the opening of this second seal, we discover that with this fiery red horse and its rider, that peace is taken from the earth. So the second living creature, the one like a calf, is the one who says, come and see. With the opening of this seal, peace is taken from the earth at this time. People begin to kill one another. Just sounds like John's writing about a night in Chicago right now. Um, sadly to say. But it will get worse. With the fiery red horse and his rider, it's been associated with war. And it may also be speaking about the lawlessness that is part of the last day's saga. As it tells us, Jesus saying in Matthew 24, 12, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. And in times past, when I used to refer to Matthew 24:12 and the lawlessness that abounds, the love of many growing cold, I would look for examples outside the United States. But 2020, once again, we find that we don't have to look beyond our borders to see lawlessness. Rarely was it an issue here in the United States, but with COVID, we find that there's this leftist socialist agenda being targeted on our nation, upon the people. We even find religious persecution. And it's even within the church itself that churches are setting up battle lines of... Uh, where they positionally stand, many of them going with the critical race theory and parts of the critical race theory to find a social gospel. But a social gospel is nothing more than a false gospel because it goes away from the true gospel of Jesus Christ. But we find that in order for people to in churches to think that they need to survive, that they have to go the way of society, but society is heading apart from God. And they're only drawing churches away from God. It's very sad. Second Thessalonians 2 Thessalonians 2.7 says, For the mystery of the lawlessness is already at work. Only he now who restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. So I believe that restrainer, again, talking about 
the church in the earth today, the Holy Spirit working in the life of believers today, once the church is raptured to be with our Lord at the rapture, then the Spirit of God will be working in the world in a different way. It's not that the restrainer will be taken off the earth, but the Spirit of God will still be at work, but it will be working differently than it is during the church age or the age of grace. I can't think of any other event but the rapture of the church that best describes the restrainer being taken out of the way to allow lawlessness to abound upon the earth. 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 and 10 says, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who are perishing, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. The condemnation, they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And because they did not receive the love of the truth, they did not find salvation. They helped to usher in the coming of the lawless one. The coming of the Antichrist is in according to the working of Satan. It means that Satan will one day possess a world leader to accomplish his agenda upon this earth. It speaks about the Antichrist seven years of tribulation that Daniel and John wrote about in Daniel 9.26. The people of the prince who is to come, he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. We've already read that in the introduction, but referring to that last seven years of tribulation. To the unbelieving population of the world, the lawless one will seem like a savior to them. I was just thinking of the top doc in our country today. Not saying he's the lawless one, but for many, he seems like a savior. All his powers, his signs, they will actually be lying wonders, unrighteous deceptions. The Antichrist will appear to be doing good for the benefit of all, but he's really masking his true agenda which has always been to conquer God. We find in Isaiah 14, we find the five I will statements of Satan. Isaiah 14, 13 through 15. You can count them as we go by, but there's five. For you have said in your heart, so talking about Satan, Lucifer, you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the most high. And then God says, yet you shall be brought down to shield to the lowest depths of the pit. Satan's desire, I will, I will. Five times he said, I will. I will exalt myself on the throne of God. But the Lord God said, you'll be brought down to the lowest depths of the pit the third writer verses five and six the third seal is broken a black horse appears and when he opened the third seal i heard a third living creature say come and see so i looked and behold a black horse and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hands and i heard the voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. 
So upon the opening of the third seal, the third living creature, the one who had a face like a man, saying, come or come and see, we find this black horse rider coming, following war, following lawlessness. There'll be this food shortage that comes upon the earth that leads to hyperinflation as well. As the price of wheat and barley goes for uh, this denarius, it's a day's wage, according to Matthew 20, verse 2, in the parable of the landowner, as the landowner sends out workers into his field, he pays them a denarius for a, a day's labor. So for us, it would be like multiplying our 15 minimum wage, $15 an hour times eight to just get three quarts of barley or a quart of wheat. I remember when I was a kid hearing my dad talking about the price of bread in the markets being some, you know, dollar. It's like this incredible price for a loaf of bread. It's like, yep, dad, it's more than a dollar now. Um, but here's something that took place in World War One and World War Two. After World War One, in Europe, the threat was so devastating that every man went to war. But they didn't leave men to plant the fields, to bring in the harvest, to produce grain, to feed the cattle. And so after World War One, and the Europeans were victorious, America helping in that, of course, over there in Europe, there were more who died from famine and disease than actually died in the war. So when World War II took place, they had an exemption for the farmers. They let the farmers stay home. They understood that, yeah, the war is can be devastating. It could cost us everything. It could cost us uh, our country, but we need the food. We can't have what happened after World War I happening again in our nation. So they had an exempt for the farmers. And so we've seen in Scripture that there are wars, there's lawlessness, and now it just seems a natural following of the shortages that we even now, after a year, I was, uh, last night, Lily and I, uh, walking uh, Melissa and Kevin's dog around the neighborhood because they're down in Missouri, should be making their way back, but Mackenzie, if you guys didn't know, she's going to nanny for Travis and Allegra for the next four months, and so she's going to be gone for four months, and, you know, she grew up, she graduated high school, she's, a few weeks later, she's gone, it's all happening too fast for this grandpa, but uh, we find that, I don't even know where I rabbit trailed off that, but I went down a rabbit trail, and I got to try to find myself back again. So I was talking to one of the neighbors, and here's the rabbit trail. We were walking the dog, brand new neighbor. His daughters actually bought the house, and this was the dad fixing it up. So the daughter hasn't moved in, and he said she's waiting for her furniture. So with COVID, she's ordered furniture for the house, and some of it won't show up until October. And it's just everything's been delayed. There is drought in North Dakota, really bad there. They're selling uh, cattle like crazy right now and because there's not grain to feed the cattle. Uh, we were talking to a farmer yesterday as we were picking up food from our, our farmer that we know, 
and he's from Iowa, and he said that they're good there, got green grass there, so they're doing well there. But we find that it can impact us. In one sense, we think, well, maybe we get an increase in the cost of living and stuff, but the cost of living goes up so quickly that the increase is like wiped out. It doesn't even impact anything when you pay a dollar plus more a gallon for gas or paying more at the food. Or have you noticed even in our own grocery stores, and this is all because of COVID, that the shelves are barer than they used to be or they're limiting numbers of what you can buy. Even a few weeks ago uh, at one of the stores, Lily said they had a, a limit on the how many chickens you could buy at the store because now this is just a crazy thing, but we know in our country Tyson is the big producer of chicken. They sw switched out their roosters. The hens said, we don't like you, so we're not laying eggs for you. And uh, we have a chicken shortage on they had to bring in the old guys again to help it out. <laughs> so maybe it'll rebound, but it doesn't take much, right, to change things in our lives. It doesn't take much, and it has a rippling effect. We're going to be feeling, even in our own nation right now, those ripples of COVID. It's not over the ripples that we are experiencing. So there's going to be some kind of Drought that maybe a drought that causes the wheat and the barley not to come in. But the scripture also says, do not harm the oil and the wine. So there could be this contamination of the land. It could be that the wheat and barley are spring crops. The oil and the wine are fall crops. They're not impacted upon the events. Um, they're harvested at a later time. Not harming the oil and wine could be that the rich will keep on living, that they still have money to buy. It'll just hurt people like us the most. Or it could be that God is given a command to keep some kind of sustenance on the earth, showing his mercy, is allowing for something to stay that people might at least be able to have some kind of meager life upon this earth. The opening of the fourth seal, the pale horse, Verses 7 and 8. And when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the four living creatures saying, the fourth living creature saying, come and see. So I looked and behold a pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was death and Hades followed him. And power was given them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death and by the beast of the earth. And so this, the fourth living creature, the one flying like an eagle, saying, come, John sees this fourth rider, this pale horse. The rider is the only one that receives a name. His name is death. Following death is also Hades. And four different means are given to them to harm the earth. Sword, hunger, death, and the beast. Sword, hunger, death, and the beast. And it says a fourth of the earth shall be killed during this time. A fourth of the earth. Our population on the earth right now is ticking up rather quickly to 8 billion people. It's not there yet, but it's 7.10 so or 7.9. It's almost there. Um, so just think about that. And quarter of the earth gone. Two billion people gone. Our population here in the United States, though it is growing, in ways that we wouldn't like to see it grow. Right now it's in 2020, 300 
and 31 million in the United States. The two largest countries in the world today are China and India. They have populations of 1.4 billion. So combine one of those countries, India or China, with the United States, you still haven't come up to the number of the quarter that would be wiped off the face of the earth during this time because of the sword, the hunger, the death, the beasts even are brought in. Animals go wild. And it could be that the food shortage that impacts the humans will impact the animals as well. And they begin to go after meat, go after humans themselves. Truly, it will be a horrific time. We've given what's been called to us the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Have you ever heard of that term before? The four horsemen. They're found here in Revelation chapter 6. The four horsemen and the colors of the horses, that of white meaning to conquer, red meaning war, black meaning famine, and pale meaning death. It'll be a horrific time on this earth when God executes his judgment and his just justice. But know this, that through Christ Jesus, there is victory. Death and Hades named in this last passage. And we find them named again in 1 Corinthians 15, 55 and 57, where it says, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Death and Hades, they are coming. But we have victory over these through Jesus Christ our Lord. The fifth seal. We find in the fifth seal, and I'm going to break it down by verse. It's verses 9 through 11. In verse 9, we're introduced to the souls of the martyrs. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. So upon the opening of the fifth seal, John looked and saw under the altar those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony that they had held. These are not the martyrs of the church age, but those who will be put to death during the seven years of tribulation, during the reign of the Antichrist upon the earth. These are known as tribulation martyrs or tribulation saints. After the rapture of the church, after the church is gone, many of those who are left behind, I believe that many of those will be sitting in churches today. They have enough information to get saved, but they have not yet surrendered their hearts to Jesus Christ. Suddenly, the Lord will come and take his church. And there'll be those in churches saying, man, I should have prayed to receive Jesus. I knew it, but I waited, and it's too late. They'll come to faith in Jesus Christ, and they'll have a determination to live for Christ. They'll understand the mark of the beast, and they'll reject the taking of the mark of the beast. In Revelation chapter 13, we'll learn about that mark whose number is 666. I'll read a quote from a book that was written in 1909, I believe, on the book of Revelation by Clarence Larkin who tried to envision how any government could put a mark on someone and make sure that they could coordinate the buying and selling and he envisions government agents sitting at every store. We don't have to do that today, do we? We don't have to envision these things. We just know that they can, they can put a chip inside our skin. They can mark us. 
But there'll be those who will know better. They'll refuse the mark. We'll learn about that in Revelation chapter 13. But here John is introduced to some of the tribulation martyrs. Their number is not complete, as we'll learn in the morning, in a moment. But they are there. They've been put to death because they held true to the word of God and by the word of their testimony. They stood true as believers in Jesus Christ. There's something that happened to me in 2020 with COVID. I just want to stand stronger for Jesus today than I have perhaps ever have before. I believe that there'll be more of a fight and that I might have to take a stand that will cost issues for this church, for our family, uh, for myself. There could be litigation. Our country is changing quickly. And the church is under attack today. But me as a believer of Christ, I want to be one who stands strong. I want to be an example for you guys, for my own kids, of one who is able to stand and willing to stand for the truth in troubling times. Jesus promised the church of Smyrna, if you remember in Revelation 2.10, be faithful until death and I will give you a crown of life. Be faithful until the end of your life, until death. I'm going to give you a crown of life. I want to be one who is faithful until death. Matthew 10.22, Jesus said, And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures until the end will be saved. He who endures until the end will be saved. So the cry of the martyrs, and here's the difference, that we notice the cry of the martyr of the church age. We'll look at that in a moment. And then the cry of the martyr here in the age of the tribulation, as we read in verse 10, he says, they cried out with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood to those who dwell on the earth. That's a different cry than that like Stephen who cried out in Acts 760 saying, Lord, do not hold this charge against them or do not charge them with this sin. The cry of the martyr of the church age has been, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. But the cry of the martyr of the tribulation age is, Lord, how long until you judge and avenge? We need to remember. Romans 12, 19 through 21 tells us of the Lord saying that we need not avenge ourselves, but rather give place to wrath to God. As the Lord says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For in doing so, you heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil by good. And so when we talk about having an army of the Lord, it's not an army that does battle unto death, not like the crusaders of old, but we are to be an army that brings good things to people who are in need. We find again in chapter 7 of Revelation concerning these elders. So we'll get to them next week. I'm going to give us a preview here. Verses 13 through 17, it says, Then one of the elders answered and said to me, Who are these arrayed in white, and where do they come from? And John said, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation, 
who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger any more nor thirst. The sun shall not strike them nor heat. The Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to the living fountains of water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Those who give their life because of their faith during the tribulation, their struggles will be great. But there in the heavenly throne room, we find that the Lamb, Jesus Christ, will shepherd them, and God himself will wipe away every tear. So the patience of the martyrs, verse 11. Then the white robe was given to each of them and was said to them that they should rest a while longer until both the numbers of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was complete. So their numbers at this point not being complete, they were told to rest and to wait. Now some unbelievers have said, you know what, if... The tribulation happens. What you guys are saying about the Lord coming to rapture his church and he takes us out, well, I'll get saved then. You know, I'll come to faith afterwards. And there will be those who will come to faith afterwards. Pastor Chuck Smith, the founder of the Calvary Chapel movement, was known to say something like this. If you are unable to live for Christ today, what makes you think that you'll be able to live for him when the Antichrist and his minions... I threw in the minions there. Daily threaten to take your life. If you can't do it now, what makes you think you'll be able to do it then? In fact, again, if COVID hasn't taught us anything but this, is that people are willing to forsake their freedoms, even to give up businesses, schools, and even close our churches. The sixth seal. Verses 12 through 17, closing out this passage today. 12 through 14, we find a great shaking. I looked and he opened the sixth seal and behold, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became like blood. And the stars of the heaven fell on the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs. Then it shall be shaken by the mighty wind. And the sky receded like a scroll when it was rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. Upon the opening of the sixth seal, there's going to be great cataclysmic events take place upon the earth and in the heavens themselves. Much like Jesus said at the coming of the Son of Man, in Luke 21, verses 25 through 26, Jesus said, And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, in the stars, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's heart failing them from fear and the expectation of those things that are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. They're talking about the sky, stars dropping from the heavens like someone was shaking a fig tree. Imagine a a fig tree that's ripe with its fruit. And just shaking it up that you don't have to climb it to pick the figs. Let them drop to the ground and pick them up. Or smarter, put a tarp around it and let it get caught and then pull the tarp out. We learned that last year with our plum tree. Fast way to pick plums. Shake, John. Okay. (laughs) Dropping from the heavens. 
Now, consider this. Stars falling from the heavens, asteroids. There's a project right now called DART, Double Asteroid Redirection Test, that is being tested by NASA, uh, planning to launch this article written in May uh, or July of this year, saying launching as early as July, that's now. So I don't know if they've launched or not. It will travel 11 million kilometers to slam into a smaller part of the Didymus binary asteroid system, knocking the moonlit slightly off its current path, calling it an asteroid punch planned for as late as September 2022. So NASA right now, they're thinking there could be some asteroids, some meteorites that are so large that they're going to hit the Earth and they could do great harm. We need to like a sci-fi movie, go up there and blow them up that they don't hurt our Earth. They're actually doing a test. You can look it up. It's The acronym is called DART, Double Asteroid Redirection Test. My first thought is, what if it redirects the wrong way? <laughs> what if you actually cause it to come into the Earth? Isaiah prophesied about a day like this, saying, Behold, Isaiah 13, 9 through 13, Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay on the land desolate. He will destroy its sinners from it, for the stars of heaven, their constellations, will not give their light. The sun will be darkened. The moon shall not cause its light to shine. I will punish the world for its evil, the wicked for their iniquity. I will halt the arrogance of the proud. I will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. I will make a mortal more rare than fine gold, a man more rare than the golden wedge of Ophir. Therefore, I will shake the heavens and the earth and move them out of their place. And then he says in Isaiah 34, 4, all the hosts of heaven shall be dissolved. The heavens shall be rolled up like a scroll. John used that same term here to roll up like a scroll. They shall be rolled up like a scroll. All their hosts shall fall down like a leaf falls from the vine like the falling of a fig tree, using that same term. Found in Isaiah uh, 34, found here in Revelation chapter 6. Could it be that the Lord is using our nations and many others to bring about this spiritual condition of Babylon to fit perfectly into the unfulfilled scriptures, prophecies of scriptures? Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 and 3, saying, for you yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes like a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon the pregnant woman. They shall not escape. And so the people's response of that day, verses 15 through 17, the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave, every free man, hid themselves in the caves, in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Verse 17, For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Finally, the chapter closes by identifying seven different classes of people in our society, the kings, the great, the rich, the commanders, the mighty, the slaves, the free. They cover 
every aspect of human life with these classes of people. No class of person will be spared. They go for the caves, for the rocks, for the mountains. We're in trouble here in Illinois. Not too many caves, not too many rocks, not too many mountains to go hide in. But notice their proclamation. They did not want to see the face of God or experience the wrath of the Lamb. They have knowledge of this, but they still refuse to confess before the living God. Though they recognized the wrath of the Lamb and God's judgment, instead of crying out to God for mercy, they cried out to the mountains and the rocks to cover them. It shows us the hardness of the hearts of those who are willing to deny the power of the saving power of Jesus Christ. There is one, only one, who is able to cover us, to protect us. We are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, according to 1 John 1, 7. For the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin. Again, in 1 John 2, 2, for he himself is our propitiation, a word that means a covering. He is our covering for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the whole world. 1 Thessalonians 1.10, only Jesus is able to deliver us from the wrath to come. Jesus will deliver us from the wrath to come. We're going to go ahead and close out in prayer. And I just, for those who are here today, if you have need of salvation, please talk with me or others here you could talk with as well. If you're listening on the radio or through social media, Please email us at cclv at comcast.net. We'd love to correspond with you, cclv at comcast.net. But let's go ahead and stand. We're going to close in prayer and then do our church's motto together. Father, we thank you for your word, for what's found here in Revelation chapter 6. Lord, it's speaking about a time that's yet to come upon this earth. And fairly horrific that through the six seals, we find that at least two billion people taken from this earth. Not talking about the Christians who are already gone or those who are killed, uh, the tribulation saints. The number could be so great, the devastation so great during this time. It's a time, Lord, according to prophecy that is coming. The unbelievers of that day, Lord, will cry out for rocks and mountains to hide them, to fall upon them. Today, Lord, we have opportunity to cry out to the Lamb of God that through his blood he would take away all of our sins, that we might be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, that we might be saved. That is our prayer for this day, Lord, that people would know this covering that can only come through faith in Jesus Christ. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So as we here at the church have a church motto of believe, receive, grow, and go, And we're going to say these passages together. And we begin with believe, the importance of believing that there is a God. In our world today, there are many who do not believe that there is a God. But according to the word of God, we say together, Hebrews 11, 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For those who come to God must believe that he is, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11:6. Faith begins with believing that God is. But we also need to receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. We say together, Romans 5:17, 
For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Romans 5:17. According to the word of God, you not only have to believe that there is a God, but you have to receive his son, Jesus Christ, as Savior and Lord. But that's not the end of it. We have to grow in our faith. And we say together, 2 Peter 3.18, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. 2 Peter 3.18, that growing, learning from the word of God, and then taking what we learn and sharing it with others. And that sharing part is the go, to share Christ with others. We say together, Matthew 28:19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Amen. Again, if you have questions regarding faith, if you're watching through social media, through the radio ministry, please email us at cclv at comcast.net. If you go to our church's website, you can learn how you can support our ministry or listening to other messages there or kind of just search around the website. It's there at cclv.org. More information about our church at cclv.org. This coming Wednesday, we're looking at Genesis 14 through 15, Accounted Righteous. And I'm going to have Mark and Nancy come and close us out in the last song. And after the song, Mark, could you close us out in prayer?